Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Will Brinson from CBS Sports on the NFL in 30 minutes. Mike DeCourcy on college basketball and some other things in 60 minutes. The Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. More of your calls because it's free for all Friday. That is the one day a week and only day a week where instead of you following our lead for three hours, we follow your lead for the most part. As we like to say, you are steering the ship as we are halfway to Margaritaville on this Friday afternoon. Looking back at a crazy but fun week, Miles Garrett, the subject of a lot of phone calls. He has been suspended for at least the remainder of the regular season and the playoffs if the Browns make it that far after his fracas against the Steelers last night where he and Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback, were wrestling each other on the ground. That's not something that is too, too unusual in the National Football League. They were tugging at each other's helmets. They were tugging at each other's bodies. They were rolling around. And then Miles Garrett decided to pick up Mason Rudolph by the fake face mask, shake him around like a rag doll for a little while, and eventually use the helmet that he ripped off Rudolph's head to club him on his unprotected head. That is about as violent as it gets in similar settings, and that is why Miles Garrett is now the owner of the longest suspension in NFL history for a during-the-game single incident of misbehavior. He, of course, was ejected from the game, as were others. Others have been sanctioned. The teams have both been fined for that fracas last night. Some think it's too far for Miles Garrett. Some think it's not enough for Mason Rudolph. I think the punishments to this point mostly fit the crimes if you will 1-800-849-2761 college football nfl college basketball nba nhl baseball and nascar all had interesting headlines this week you can be next with your question or comment 1-800-849-2761 just to spice it up as we go to christian in raleigh john is in the triangle taylor is in clayton john has a legal question related to who would have a case against whom and for what yes there have been lawsuits player versus player, athlete versus athlete, four things that happen in sporting events. Just remember that the starting point for all things of this sort is that you sign up for a lot of crazy things when you play sports. Like my daughter has suffered a serious knee injury in a soccer match. We would not have won a lawsuit against the person who violently tackled her, injuring her knee. Why? Because getting tackled even fairly violently is a pretty basic part of soccer and those sorts of injuries happen and we don't like to see it but stuff does happen and no you're not going to have a successful lawsuit when you know you get hit in the ribs by the pitcher's throw it's just doesn't you don't like it it might even hurt you you might even have serious injuries but it's an easy to foresee byproduct of the sport that you signed up to play when behavior gets so crazy so outside the bounds of what you're playing so unforeseeable yeah that's when winnable lawsuits happen just remember the wa- the lawsuits that are typically filed are the ones where the damages are high and because mason rudolph escaped serious injury when Miles Garrett tried to hit him over the head with his own helmet. That doesn't mean you can't file a lawsuit. It just means the damages are not going to be likely so large that his representatives will end up filing that suit. 1-800-849-2761. One fun question for you as we contemplate the weekend that is led at the college level by 9-0 Minnesota at Iowa, 9-0 Baylor hosting Oklahoma, and then number four Georgia visiting Auburn. Those are your must-see TV college football games this weekend nationally. 
as Clemson still undefeated, hosts seven and two Wake Forest tomorrow afternoon. App State eight and one tries to stay on the Sun Belt title game path. They have to beat Georgia State at Georgia State tomorrow night to keep that one loss resume intact. The Wolfpack hosts Louisville. The Devils host Syracuse. They both need to finish 2-1 and one down the stretch to become bowl eligible. And remember, because the Tar Heels lost at Pitt last night, Carolina will have to beat NC State in Raleigh in the regular season finale to become bowl eligible in year one of part two for that Mac Brown guy. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Christian, Taylor, John, Chris, and Kyle, not necessarily in that order, if you could give, say, an eight-year NFL contract to any quarterback – and I'm assuming because it's a long contract, you're just going to exclude those in their 40s or close to it. I mean, what good is an eight-year deal going to do? Even if you love Tom Brady or Drew Brees or someone, even a guy in his earlier 30s, you might not want to give an eight-year deal. If you could give an eight-year contract to any young QB in the National Football League, who would be your guy and why? The reason I pose that question today as we come to your calls is that the Texans face the Ravens this weekend. And a lot of NFL fans that I know would either pick former Clemson star Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, he's 24 years old and already a great player, or 22-year-old Lamar Jackson, one of the rising stars of the 2019 season. Of course, he'll be on the other sideline representing the Baltimore Ravens. Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs comes to my mind immediately, MVP last year, still only 24 years old. But, man, there's a lot of options out there. I mean, you might want Russell Wilson, although he's in his early 30s, I don't know, is eight years too long for that? Carson Wentz is in his mid-20s. Dak Prescott's in his mid-20s. Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield, among many others, are in their earlier 20s. Sam Darnold as well. If you could have only one of those, and it was a longer-term contract, again, shying away from the older dudes, who would it be? Maybe it is one of the guys in that Texans-Ravens matchup waiting for us on Sunday afternoon. Christian's in Raleigh. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. What's on your mind? Well, I know you just asked a great question about the quarterbacks, but I did want to kind of touch into the oh, sure. situation. Um, you know, one of the things I've heard a lot of people that, you know, my peers or even on the, over the radio is just, you know, people have issues with, 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 him, with him taking exception to the sack or to the, the tackle. And one of the things that just kind of bothers me is, you know, Miles Garrett has kind of been, you know, penalized and, multiple weeks for the same kind of tackles where the quarterback is either release the ball and you take him down all the way down to the ground. And, you know, I, I guess I take issue to people that, that have issues with Rudolph, you know. I mean, I don't know what quarterback that gets sacked or taken down to the ground um, in that manner in this day and age in the NFL that doesn't take exception to that. Yeah. Um, you know, so for Miles Garrett to do what he did, I, you know, I've been around football since I was six years old. You know, I'm a 33-year-old man at this point. I've never seen anything like that in football at any level, at any, in any form of football. And, you know, I, I think that the six-game, uh, possible six-game suspension may be longer. I think, you know, I, I, you know, he needs to be fined, and I think that that's, that's reasonable. I'm with um, you. I don't think he needs to play the rest. And you know what? You and a lot of other people with football backgrounds are saying the same thing, that they have, you know, Damian Woody was one I saw earlier today on ESPN. Man, I've played this game a long time. I've watched this game a long time. I've seen people who hated each other in the trenches and wanted to rip each other's heads off. And, of course, you might rabbit punch each other at the bottom of the pile. You might hold on a little long if you have a face mask or whatever. There is sort of stuff that doesn't go beyond the pale when you can show somebody that you're angry. You can even risk... 
You know, he could have got a roughing penalty. Mason Rudolph risked. If you get sacked and you don't like the details of how you just got sacked and you turn, roll over, and grab a guy by the helmet and you start rolling around, of course you're risking a 15-yard penalty for whatever, roughing or unsportsmanlike conduct. What's, what, what I'm shocked that more people can't grasp is that where you wouldn't say that Mason Rudolph was a choir boy, those suggesting that what he did was, you know, some one-half or one-quarter fraction of what Miles Garrett did. I'm just telling you, if you apply that logic in your own life, you're going to get your tail kicked in the real world in a lot of different contexts because there is all sorts of pushing, shoving, tugging, pulling in life on the playground for kids, for these grown men on a football field or otherwise, where it's essentially no harm, no foul at the end. And then the one person, folks, I I don't think many of you understand. I'm a semi-public figure. Will's been on my big tailgate tour. It is rare, but every once in a while, I will have an unpleasant person that I have to deal with. And what if that person was on me for three hours? I mean, it's a big tailgate tour stop, right? Just relentless, and they wouldn't walk away, and they're dropping bad words, and they're saying stuff about my family. Again, this is rare. 99.9% of the people are wonderful as we travel around the state with the big tailgate tour, driven by Continental Tire. And after three hours, this person is immoral, unethical, profane, outrageous. You would find his or her behavior despicable. But then I just lost it after three hours. And after doing nothing wrong for three hours, I clocked that person. Maybe hurting them, maybe not. Is anybody going to give me any benefit of the doubt because I didn't do squat wrong for three hours? I was a choir boy, an angel. I was just taking all of the abuse for three hours because that happens sometimes to us as semi-public figures. But then I just lost it and I clocked somebody. Guess what, folks? I ain't getting any benefit of the doubt. I don't deserve any benefit of the doubt. You know why? Because I took it from sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me, as I was getting harassed verbally for three hours. I was the one that took it to the next level. No, I'm not wiggling off the legal hook. I'm not, I'm not going to just be able to say, well, he was heckling me for three hours, so he deserved it. No, it doesn't work that way, nor does it work this way. Try, trying to make it even close, give, give me your 10-point scale. Miles Garrett's behavior is inching toward an on-field behavior 10 out of 10 in the eyes of Roger Goodell's bad scale. What Mason Rudolph did was not good. Again, it risked some kind of unsportsmanlike or roughing penalty. But do you essentially see stuff like that every single week in the NFL? And as long as it's just tugging and pulling on the ground against each other, nobody really gets hurt? Versus swinging a helmet as a weapon on an unprotected head? It didn't end up in a serious injury, fortunately. But, yeah, you can get penalized in the real world for that stuff, and you absolutely deserve to be penalized severely in the NFL world for that as well. 1-800-849-2761. John is in the triangle. Up top, line number one there. Let's go to John and Riley. You're next on the David Glenn Show. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. What's on your mind? Yeah, you know what? I just kind of, this is more of a question for you and your background, and it's something that's kind of bugged me a little bit just because of what happened last night. Yeah. And it's, it, it kind of trickles over to the baseball side, right? 
you know, you're watching these guys that throw 95 miles an hour, you know, and up. And usually, if you're a fan of the game, you know when a guy's thrown intently at the neck and up at a batter who's got a helmet, of course, but, you know, fairly defenseless. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm just curious, what's the proper – I see these guys like, you know, they might run back out into the mound and try and punch the pitcher, whatever it is. But, I mean, like, who's this – like, can a guy, like, not pick up, like, if he can find it, pick up the ball and hit the pitcher, you know, in the face with it? You know, can he throw his bat at the pitcher? Like, how does that work? Because, I mean, well, baseball I'll, is almost a weapon at that point. Yeah, I hear you. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. You are on, If you're the batter that gets hit in the jaw by the 95-mile-an-hour fastball, you are very unlikely to win that lawsuit because everybody knows that a risk of stepping into the batter's box, especially at a level where they're throwing 95, is getting hit by a pitch, and involved in that risk is getting hit in the head. And it scares the bejesus out of me. I've told the story on the air before. I was taken away in an ambulance from a a baseball game because I got hit in the uh, mouth by a thrown ball as a younger guy. Um, I was so young, I actually don't even have fresh recollections of it. But my father, to this day, says that he thought I was dead. So your your hypothetical, uh, you know, kind of hits me in a soft spot. But that said, it is a part of baseball that sometimes – even if the guy's just trying to back you off the plate, he is allowed to throw up and in. He just is. And, you know, if you've seen the movie uh, Field of Dreams where they tell the kid, hey, uh, look for the pitch low and away, but don't forget about in your ear. Like, don't dig in too strong looking for the low and away pitch because he might come high and tight on you. So there's a matter of self-protection. And the bottom line would be just ask yourself in any of these hypotheticals, What am I really signing up for? In your example where you charge the mound and hit the pitcher with the bat, that is not within the realm of possibility that you can contemplate when you enter a baseball locker room. It is within the realm of possibility that you could get hit by a pitch in a bad place that day. It is not within the realm that somebody's going to use the bat as a weapon, like a Miles Garrett using the helmet as a weapon. That's beyond the bounds, right? So in the, in the case of you being the pitcher and the guy comes out and hits you with his bat, yeah, you've got a lawsuit against him. You can file some sort of assault and battery civil case, and you're going to win that case. You know, you're not allowed to guarantee results as a lawyer. But I'm telling you, on that fact set, the guy getting so mad that he hits you with his bat after stomping out to the mound, you're going to win. He's going to lose, and he might end up in prison. Some people don't realize just because you're playing a game it's not like that's some kind of wild card your lawyer pulls out of his back pocket and said, oh, yeah, he bashed his skull in, but they were playing a baseball game, so all's good, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Again, you could get cleated in a baseball game, serious injury, no lawsuit. It's part of the game. You can even have somebody that was kind of out to be a little nasty, but it's part of the game, right? A targeting penalty in the NFL can sometimes be on purpose, right? They're trying to go after you. They're trying to intimidate you. Maybe they're even trying to hit you directly in the head. You're not going to win that lawsuit because even though the flag is thrown and they were penalized and maybe even they got suspended, that is a foreseeable part of what you signed up for as an NFL player. And you have to hope they enforce the rules. I gave the example of boxing, right? I mean, you could be literally killed in a boxing ring legally and you don't have a lawsuit. Your, your family or survivors don't have a lawsuit if you got killed in a boxing ring legally. Just, just through regular boxing, you got knocked out and never woke up and died. 
that boxer is not going to be arrested. That boxer is not going to be subject to a lawsuit. Now, I mean, you can always file a lawsuit again, but you're not going to win it. Why? Because fundamental to boxing is that you get in there with gloves on and you beat the heck out of each other. And sometimes people die. Like, as crass as that sounds, that's the reality in that sport. So, no, you're not going to win the lawsuit if you get hit as that batter. Yes, you're going to win that lawsuit if you're the pitcher. And I hope we never see that. But if the batter comes out with the bat and starts bashing you about, 1-800-849-2761. Will Brinson on the NFL later this hour. Mike DeCorsi on college basketball. More of your phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Will Brinson on the NFL later this hour. Mike DeCourcy, Hall of Famer for the Sporting News in about 35 minutes. You can be next with your phone call. On Fridays, I do follow your lead for better or for worse. Everybody says that we talk too much about this or not enough about that in the sports radio world. Many years ago, prior to our statewide syndication, as we come at you live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns, we carved out one out of every five shows so that we can follow your lead so that if the subject matter is more of what you want you get credit and if the subject matter steers in a different direction we get to blame you the callers 1-800-849-2761 let me try taylor and clayton you're next on free for all friday welcome to the david glenn show hey dave how you doing all right man what's on your mind so i don't want this to be misconstrued i i think that any punishment that Miles Garrett receives, he deserved 100%, probably more than what they brought down against him today he should have got. But I don't think there's enough conversation about Rudolph in this situation, and I really don't agree with his punishment. You know, first of all, it started out with him. We know that. Is that comparable? No, as we already spoke about. But they had already been separated, and if he would have never ran over there to get hit in the head, he would have never got hit in the head. And on top of that, is it if Miles Garrett would have never used the helmet, it would have been a fist fight between the two. They both would have been suspended. Oh, if Garrett hadn't used the helmet, it just would have been small potatoes. There still would have been fines, and there still would have been ejections, et cetera. But this whole thing would be small potatoes. I, I think that the number one thing that all sensible, sensible people have to take away is that Miles Garrett took everything to the next level. And whereas you correctly saw Mason Rudolph escalating things, you're also leaving out that one of the reasons Mason Rudolph's body was projected toward uh, Miles Garrett's body was that Miles Garrett lifted his body from the turf while using his face mask. Uh, he, he, that part was not voluntary, right? That's Mason Rudolph is coming in my direction because I nearly ripped his head off by grabbing his face mask. You know, it's not fun, by the way. I didn't play football at a high level, but if you're on your back and somebody grabs your face mask while standing and yanks you up, you could have a more serious injury to your neck than you could have had to your head once he started using your helmet to bash your, your head. Fortunately, again, there were none, no such injuries. 
but I, I, th I think that you're being a little bit one-sided with your description of the buildup to the use, use of helmet as weapon. I mean, Mason Rudolph had fault for sure, but Miles Garrett followed the typical rolling around and tugging at each other stuff by lifting a man from his back while grabbing his face mask. That also is a huge part of escalating it into the kind of scene that we ended up seeing. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Buckeye Stan is in Blues Creek, North Carolina, and I guess wants to see Mason Rudolph penalized more severely as well. What's going on? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, first off, let me say I'm a Browns fan, huge Buckeye fan. I totally disagree with what Miles Garrett did. But I think what's being overlooked in him, in the way I saw it, I think what set Garrett off, when they're laying on the ground, if you watch that video closely, uh, that pretend quarterback for the Steelers was trying to pull Miles Garrett's helmet off. Correct. You're correct. And I, I, and I think that's kind of what set Garrett off. Now, I, what he did, I totally, totally disagree with. As a Browns fan, I have no problem with him being suspended for six games and in, and you know, the playoff thing's a joke because the Browns aren't going. But I, I think more should be addressed towards Rudolph just for him initiating that by trying to rip off Miles Garrett's helmet. Well, I, I have no problem with investigating Mason Rudolph. But on a 10-point scale, rolling around on the ground with another NFL player while tugging at each other, their jersey, their helmet, or otherwise, is seen basically every week in the National Football League. And yes, you can get fined. Yes, you can get in trouble. Yes, you could even get a suspension if things got bad enough. Clubbing somebody's unprotected head with a helmet at the end of that, I'm telling you, in life, the person who escalates things is the one who's going to get punished and the one who's going to deserve to be punished. So Mason Rudolph was more routine bad behavior. And whatever the penalty is going to be is going to be routine small penalty. What Miles Garrett did is something that some uh, veterans of decades of NFL football are saying they've never seen before. And he actually got off the hook in one way. He's got this severe sanction, of course, at least six games, and that is a severe penalty. Again, it is the longest in NFL history for an isolated incident of on-the-field misbehavior. But this is a guy who had other altercations earlier this year involving sticking it to the quarterback that he just sacked, right? So he has his own body of work there. Mason Rudolph is aware of that. Both guys can be accused of escalating the situation. That part is fair. Only one guy went to the next level. And the number of people calling today, I can picture you telling your children, well, if that boy hadn't mouthed off at you at you on the playground, you wouldn't have had to bash his head in. Good luck with that. I mean, I weep for those children that are learning those lessons from any parents who are thinking that way. Or maybe you only think that way with NFL football players and you wouldn't apply it that way. But I hear a lot of that logic, right? Oh, if that kid didn't mouth off, you wouldn't have had to beat him up. It doesn't work that way, folks. And if you're teaching those lessons... You are steering your kid or your player or whomever in a really dangerous direction. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Let's go to Andrew in Raleigh has something entirely different on his mind, which might be a good thing. Andrew, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. How you doing? Yeah, great. Um, I want to talk about the Houston Astros and what they've just got caught doing. Yeah. Eating. 
we've been looking at them the last three years like they're a great team, come from the bottom. And now this has come out, and I think this is just the most egregious thing I have seen. We've seen the footage, and I think it's just terrible that baseball is going through this right now. I agree with you. We're going through the World Series twice. I'm with you, man. Uh, It's hard to define exactly how much the Astros benefited from their sign stealing. We do know, and I'm mad like you are. As a lifelong lover of baseball, I think this is outrageous. For those who didn't see it, the Houston Astros from 2017, the year they won the World Series, are under investigation for a clear-cut violation of not only baseball rules in play right now, but the baseball rules that were also in play in 2017. They had a camera in center field isolating the catcher's signals, and they were pumping into a tunnel near home plate where another uniformed Astros personnel person was catching that live video and showing what the sign was between the catcher's legs and using a sound system that involved banging on trash cans to try to tell the batter what pitch was coming. And not every Astros player did it. Some didn't want it. Uh, We're not even sure they used it in the postseason where mysteriously they had a great record at home on the way to winning the World Series and a horrible record on the road while on their way to winning the World Series. So I feel bad in particular for teams like, you know, the the Dodgers, the, uh, the Yankees, and the Red Sox, I think, right? Those were the three teams that were playoff victims of the Houston Astros in 2017 as they won what is still the only World Series in uh, franchise history. I hope Major League Baseball comes down as harshly as they possibly can assuming the evidence backs up what we think happened. And, and you know, remember, those who didn't see the article, they got a former Astros player from the 2017 team to elaborate on this. It's, and then they got three others from the same team to talk about it without using their name. But Mike Fires was on the team, and he was on other teams after leaving the Astros, and whenever they would visit Houston, remember the Astros were only doing this during their home games, he would tell them about this scheme to steal – Catcher signs and no, you know, it helps as a batter. Most batters would tell you they'd love to know what's coming. It helps. There's the rare guy who would rather not know. Most say, yes, I'd love to know if it's going to be a breaking ball or a fastball. And yes, your batting average tends to go up when you know what's coming. So to me, it's a very, very, very serious allegation. I mentioned earlier this week, and I don't know if you see it this way, but other than the ultimate integrity of the game attacks, you know, the, the Chicago White Sox throwing the World Series to benefit from gamblers 100 years ago. That, that's about as bad a knock on the integrity of your game as you can have. Pete Rose betting on baseball. Yes, he only bet on his own team to win, but he was also sending messages to gamblers when he wasn't betting on his own team to win. That's kind of like the 1B, very serious attack on the integrity of your sport. Unless you're pro wrestling, where everybody knows it's scripted, There are a few things you can do to jeopardize people's interest in your game more serious than making them wonder whether the outcome is legitimate. In this case, the Astros look like they were caught red-handed, cheating in as basic a way as you can possibly do it. Remember, it is not illegal to steal signs from second base as a base runner. But you are, it is crystal clear and was in 2017. You cannot use electronic equipment to steal signs. You're allowed to do it the old-fashioned way. Runner on second base thinks he sees what the catcher is signaling to the pitcher. Has some kind of system where he communicates that to the guy in the batter's box. That's been around for 100 years. It's going to be around probably for another 100 years. 
there are crystal clear, acceptable ways to just, in a savvy sort of way, steal signs from your opponent. And then there's the crystal clear, illegal way. And on first glance, it looks like the 2017 World Series champion Houston Astros were cheating on the way to hanging that banner. And, yeah, as a lifelong baseball guy, that upsets me as well. At the college level, some people roll their eyes when you vacate a championship or say that a banner has to come down or you're, you're not allowed to call it a championship in your media guide. I mean, what, what, what is your – it's not like we live in a time machine, right? You can't hit a button and say, oh, the Astros actually didn't win the World Series in 2017. There is no perfect punishment for this most extreme kind of wrongdoing, college or pro. At the Major League Baseball level, I hope they make it hurt. As If this investigation backs up this initial, initial report, I want to see big fines. I want to see them take away high draft picks. And I want to see them, just as in the Miles Garrett situation, how do you send a message to every player in the NFL that this is outrageous and unacceptable? You give one of the longest suspensions in NFL history. That's how you send the message. If you gave a one- or two-game suspension, you'd be sending the message, ah, we don't really like that, but uh, it's not that big a deal. Same thing with cheating in baseball. If you don't hammer the Houston Astros, again, assuming the original report is backed up by the investigation, and no, I don't trust the Astros to do an internal investigation. No, this has to be an independent baseball investigation. You don't get to do your own. That was the initial report. I hope baseball is not stupid enough to buy that. If you're caught that red-handed violating that basic rule that goes straight to the integrity of the game, you should get the maximum penalty allowed by Major League Baseball rules. Otherwise, you're enabling something that's not only outrageous and unacceptable behavior, you're enabling putting at risk the integrity of your own game. 1-800-849-2761. Mike DeCourcy on college basketball in 30 minutes. Will Brinson on the NFL next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. In about 25 minutes, Mike DeCourcy is going to drop by. He's the Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. Covers college basketball for a living. Also does great work for the Big Ten Network as an analyst. Happens to be a Steelers fan. May chime in on the NFL. Also a hugely knowledgeable guy on international soccer, among other things. Mike DeCourcy live next hour. Your phone calls, of course, all afternoon in the spirit of Free For All Friday. It is the most popular sports radio platform ever invented. It allows us to follow your lead for three hours every Friday after hopefully you follow our lead Monday through Thursday here on the statewide David Glenn Show. Adrian and Durham once back in on the NFL. Kyle wants to know about Daniel Jones of Duke and the New York Giants trademarking Danny Dimes. Yes, that trademark has been filed. Remember earlier this season, Daniel Jones of the New York Giants was asked if he liked the Daniel, Danny Dimes nickname, and he said, it's all right, I guess. Well, his advisors realized that if you trademark it and you're successful in trademarking it and you start printing stuff with that label on it, you can profit from a nickname that you may not have liked all that much. So we'll get to that a little bit later. John wants to know, in the context of violence in sports, why are fights 
like what happened in the NFL last night, more accepted in the NHL. Short answer, remember, in the NHL, there's actually a five-minute penalty for fighting, which means it's still not allowed by rules, but they're telling you how seriously they take it when they give you only a five-minute major for trying to punch the other guy's head off. The NFL frowns upon such things even more, and that has been the subject of a lot of calls today. Will Brinson, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Did the, NB, did the NFL do the right thing here with the at least six-game suspension of Brown's defensive end, Miles Garrett? Yeah, I think so, Dave. I mean, this is kind of a layup to me for Roger Goodell, right? Like, you don't have to – you don't – I mean – you know, it would have been idiotic to suspend him for like two games, uh, four games. I mean, just suspend him for the rest of the season. This is not a, you know, this is not an acceptable thing that can happen on a football field. You heard Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, tons of other players weigh in, you know, former coaches. Just never seen it where a player ripped the helmet off another player and then used that helmet as a weapon against that same player. It's, it's an unacceptable uh, reaction. It doesn't matter what Mason Rudolph did. doesn't matter what, you know, what, what happened before that. You can't be... Uh, you know, you can't be utilizing a helmet as a weapon uh, against another player, and he, and he did just that. So, uh, from that perspective, I thought it was e- an easy decision. And there's a lot of controversy about Mason Rudolph getting suspended as well. Uh, he didn't get a suspension. We'll be fine. But, I mean, no one should be surprised that the guy who had his head hit with his own helmet by another player isn't getting suspended, regardless of what his actions were before that. Uh, you know, Larry Ogunjobi, one game, and, of course, uh, Marquise Pouncey, three games. I wouldn't be surprised at all if those two guys saw their uh, punishment reduced on appeal simply because, you know, that's sort of how the NFL works. And with Garrett, they're basically saying, look, you know, you're suspended six games. It'll be 10 games if the Browns go to the Super Bowl, which we don't think will happen, but we're making it indefinite just so you can't come back from the playoffs and reap any rewards for your behavior. Will Brinson is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Quickly go back to something you mentioned earlier today. I've actually been dismayed at the number of people who have kind of sort of suggested that what Miles Garrett did wasn't as bad in their eyes because of Mason Rudolph's role in escalating the situation. You mentioned that no matter what Mason Rudolph did, you can't start clubbing people over their unprotected heads with helmets. What, what do you think is going to be the bottom line with Mason Rudolph here? And what is your message to those who seem focused on the Mason Rudolph part of this equation? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really surprised by it. I mean, people are like, did you see what Mason did? Miles didn't do anything wrong. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you can't, I mean, how many, you know, if you're an adult human being or even like a, a child, I mean, or a middle schooler, a middle schooler or older, I mean, how many times have you ever seen a fight in a cafeteria or a fight on the playground or a fight anywhere else? Do you know who gets in trouble? It's not the guy who starts. It's the guy who throws the first punch. Right. Like, no one gets in trouble for instigating a fight. You always get in trouble for throwing the punch. And when that punch involves a helmet and it's thrown to somebody else's head and you've got a league that's desperately trying to maximize player safety and doesn't want to have – I mean, look, honestly, Dave, that to me was – it was um, – you know, it didn't – I don't think it met the same level because it wasn't quite as shocking. But, like, the malice in the palace, right? There were no fans involved. But, I mean, like, you know, you had this, whoa, violent moment on the field um, you know, it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't spill out into the stands. But I mean, it, it was a pretty. It was a pretty big shock in the system. You know, it led all the morning. You know, HBC, right. CBS, CNN talk shows. I mean, it, it's all anybody's talking about. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. Miles Garrett threw the first, the you know, the quote-unquote first punch. I guess that Mason Rudolph was messing with his helmet. May have uh, kicked him. 
somewhere where the uh, the sun don't shine. Those things are not acceptable. I'm not saying they're fine. Right. But those things tend to happen on a football field sometimes. And if you're going to pin it on somebody, you know, it's always going to be pinned on the guy who rips the helmet off and uses it as a weapon. That's just how life works. Well put. Will Brinson, at Will Brinson on Twitter. Pick Six podcast as well, senior NFL writer for CBSSports.com. Interestingly, as NFL TV ratings are up and probably clicks on Will Brinson's articles and visits to the Pick Six (laughs) podcast are also up, you have both this melee grabbing some headlines beyond the usual football media. You also, of course, have the Colin Kaepernick chapter uh, entering some of those same headlines beyond the sports world. Sometimes I get... I get the suggestion, Will, that this is simply a PR stunt by the NFL because of the way it was thrown together. But I can't see how it's great for the NFL in the bigger picture when so much conversation is about Kaepernick and tomorrow's workout when it probably is better for them if if Colin Kaepernick stayed out of the headlines for a while longer, right? So how much of this is PR stunt and how much of this, you know, is trying to be fair as we all have to, to Kaepernick, as we all have to agree, it's not great for the NFL that everybody's revisiting the nastiness of the divisive Colin Kaepernick conversation. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I personally don't think it's a PR stunt, although I would, if you if you know if we if we found out that it actually was a PR stunt, I wouldn't be shocked because the NFL has a long and illustrious history of, of right. ham-fisted PR moves that just backfire uh, immediately. What what makes more sense to me, Dave, is that the NFL got approached by maybe one to two, two to three, three or who knows, three to four teams who said, "Hey, look, you know, we are we want to know what you know what is the status with Kaepernick here. We have interest in him. You know, we've seen what happens when teams bring him in." For a, you know, for for a workout, even you know, with Seattle, you know, it was a very low key situation. There was still hubbub about it. They signed another quarterback. People get all angry about it. And so, um, you know, I think teams, you know, teams, look, he's a quarterback. It's a, you know, he's a former Super Bowl starting quarterback. And yeah, he's he's older now, and he hadn't played in a while. And maybe he won't work in every single system. Uh, you know, prefer him in a Greg Roman style system. But I, I think there are probably teams out there who have interest in him. Approach the NFL, and the NFL said, all right, you know, what we need to do here is you know, let's, let's go outside the box and, and come up with a way to let these teams visit with him, you know, without, without having to, like, go to the individual team. Now, the problem here is that, you know, based on what you hear from Colin Kaepernick, they basically called his reps like, hey, you have two hours to decide if you're willing to do this single-man combine in Atlanta on Saturday, take it or leave it, no negotiation whatsoever. The, the move, if this is how it happened, would have been to call Kaepernick and say, hey, look, man, there's some teams that are interested in you. We would like to have you uh, do a combine. We, you know, let us know when works for you. Yeah. Let us know what the day and time and where works, and negotiate something out and release it together, and then have them show up and do a workout. It's absolutely unusual for this to happen, but and, and there's there's something there's something where I think we're all missing, and I, I honestly don't know what it is. It may just be a ham-fisted move, but I tend to think that there might be some teams interested, and that's why they want to gauge what he can do for them uh, without the the scrutiny that comes with bringing him into their building. One more quick follow-up on that. You know some NFL teams are worried about his new diet and whether he's lost a lot of weight and whether there's a lot of rust on him after three years out of the NFL almost. Part of that, of course, you can see with the physical workout itself. But I found it interesting that there will be an interview aspect of what happens in Atlanta tomorrow. The first questions that came to my mind, Will, were, what is your passion for football right now compared to these other things you value? 
And will you kneel again if we sign you? Uh, are those the two most important, or you want to add to that list? No, no, I think that I think that works, and I think the you know will you kneel again is probably going to be the first one. Now, that's a whole other can of worms, like because if Colin Kaepernick does this workout for you know 14 teams, and they all ask him if he's going to kneel, and he says yes to 14 teams, and then he goes unsigned. Well, you've just brought it back into the headlines again. So congratulations, NFL, on right. that. Um, you know, like I like I think the Cowboys, right? They just brought in Michael Bennett. I mean, he's a guy who is who is. Um, you know, uh, made protest actions during the, the anthem before. And so it's possible they could be a team that, you know, Gary Jones loves headlines. Maybe he feels like they, you know, want to bolster the, the quarterback room for the stretch run or something like that. And, you know, who, or send a message to Dak Prescott, like, hey, you know, you don't have all the leverage. We've got Kaepernick. I, you know, who, I mean, who knows? Um, I, I do think, though, that a contending team will probably steer clear of, of bringing Kaepernick on if he is going to kneel not because they don't believe in whatever he's kneeling for, but because of the scrutiny that comes with yeah. bringing him in there. So I mean, to me, it's tough to find a fit just based on scheme and, and, and roster, you know, depth chart and, uh, and, and, in general, you know, like, like he's not going to the 49ers, right? They already, they already, you know, they already, they already let him go or he, he walked away, however you want to put it. Um, so I don't know exactly where the landing spot is, and You know, I, I don't know that he ends up somewhere, but I'm curious to see how it unfolds. I only have about 30 seconds for this, but with the Texans at the Ravens, one of the highlights of the weekend schedule, if I gave you any young quarterback, mid-20s or younger, in the whole NFL, would Deshaun Watson of the Texans be your number one pick, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, Patrick Mahomes, somebody else? Who's your one, two, three maybe there? Yeah, I think that's a three, right? Uh, Mahomes would be my one. I mean, I, yeah. you you, you got to have the system with Andy Reid. That helps a lot. Like, if you put Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson with Andy Reid, they would be having monster years, too. Um, certainly, that's, that's a big plus, getting to sit for a year as well. Um, I would lean slightly to Deshaun Watson over Lamar Jackson for my, for my second yeah. choice. Both are awesome. I, I, love, I love both of them. I just think Deshaun Watson has the hit factor. I've watched them both around here a lot, in, or around North Carolina, you know, when they come through. Um, but, yeah, I would lean Deshaun just a hair ahead of uh, Lamar right now. Good stuff, man. Right on time. Check out the Pick 6 podcast. Find his work at CBSSports.com. On Twitter, he is a lot of fun, at Will Brinson. Appreciate the visit, as always, man. Have a great weekend. You got it, Dave. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Mike DeCourcy live in 10 minutes. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. One quick detail, a couple actually, just to get people even more fired up in some cases. Miles Garrett, at least six-game suspension, is without pay. So however th- serious and severe you thought that sanction was, that's a lot worse than a long suspension with pay, as we all would agree. Mason Rudolph still might end up getting some kind of fine, but to this point, no sanctions whatsoever for the Steelers QB. More of your calls later. Mike DeCourcy, the Hall of Famer on, from the Sporting News, on last night and college basketball and more next on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV. My friend said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.